If you would, please stand with me. Uh, We will be hearing God's word, and it is appropriate for us to honor this moment of hearing from God in heaven what he wants us to give our attention to this morning. Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath's journey, journey, a Sabbath's day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120 and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted this share in this, his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Bersabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Beloved, this is the word of God, and he has... Spoken this to us by His Spirit because He loves us. Please be seated. Now there is about a week between Acts 1, 1 through 11. Jesus ascending, being taken up from the disciples. There's about a week after that before He sends His Spirit at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And in the middle of two of the most important moments in the history of this world, in the middle, 
There are a few things that must happen. And the main thing that we've just heard that must happen in the middle is Jesus had to replace the witness who had to betray him. That's the sermon in a sentence or the gospel truth. Jesus had to replace the witness who had to betray him. Point number one comes from verses 12 through 20. Jesus needed a traitor. Certain things must happen in God's plan of salvation. And the first thing that Peter covers in these first few verses is he, Jesus, needed a traitor. Now, every Bible-believing, every conservative, evangelical Christian knows when a new Chick-fil-A is set to open in your area. It's just something we pay attention to. And if you are a college student or if you have a big family, it's something you're going you're gonna to camp out for. You're going to go to the parking lot the week of because there's this promise they give you of manna sandwiches for a year coming to everyone who will camp out and wait for that sort of thing to open. Now, I don't know if you can imagine a better promise than that. Something better falling down from heaven. But you need to, in order to understand what the disciples are doing in verses 12 through 14, they are absolutely determined. The Lord is gone from us, and therefore the Spirit is coming to us. They leave the mount called Olivet, and they travel half a mile or so. That would be the amount of distance they were permitted to travel on a Sabbath's day. They travel about half a mile to this upper room because they must do something. They must get to Jerusalem. I want you to notice this. Even though they've got a promise from Jesus in the passage before, when I go up, I'm going to send my spirit down. He promised that this was going to happen. Look at what they're doing in verses 12 through 14. Once they get to Jerusalem, the place where the spirit is coming, they're praying. This This is an important lesson. The promise does not stop them from praying. The promise leads them to pray. If they're going to be prepared for what Jesus said would happen in verse 8, the Spirit would come to give power so that they can go out and witness to Jesus, they're going to pray. Here's a principle you'll find everywhere in the Scriptures. God's promises prevail by prayer. They've got a promise, and they're praying for the promise to come. And I think that should lead you to a question. Do you want to pray prayers that prevail? Do you want your prayers that you send up to God to prevail and be answered? Perhaps you should be praying the things He's already promised to do. Verses 15 through 17, Peter steps up in the middle of this prayer service and he says to 
the congregation there in those days that they're waiting, he says, you got to understand something. Jesus had to be betrayed. Here is one of the musts in the middle of these two great moments of the Ascension and the Pentecost, the disciples, Peter thinks, need to come to an understanding when, he, when we're told every one of the disciples who is there and we're told 11 and they told us which Judas is there and it's not Judas Iscariot, he stands up and he wants to explain to them what must have happened is Jesus had to choose one of the 12 to be a traitor. And he tells us why. You see why Jesus had to do that? Because the Holy Spirit said so through David a thousand years earlier. Now this is really informative to me. I think it will be to you. We live on the other side of Acts chapter 2 of Pentecost, the sending of the Spirit. It's informative still for us to see how Peter prepares for receiving the Spirit, what He does to prepare to be filled by the Spirit is to follow what the Spirit says. How does Peter wait for the Spirit to fall? It's by following and tracing what the Spirit has said about this situation when they look up and one of the twelve is gone, about this situation they find themselves in, he is starting to interpret that by following what the Spirit has said. Notice that whatever is in that Bible that you are holding that was written by men, notice who Peter says wrote it. These are men who were carried about by the Holy Spirit. David, when he wrote what he wrote, and Jesus came in the likeness of King David. When David wrote, my trusted friend lifted his heel against me, it was the Holy Spirit saying that. And therefore, when Jesus goes out and he starts choosing his disciples, he had to pick one to play the villain. He had to. Because God already said, this is David's experience. It will be your experience, son of David. There's Judas Iscariot. That's your man. When we start the passage and we're, we see the upper room and the Mount of Olives, those should be like lyrics in a song that take you back to feeling certain things or remembering certain things. The upper room and the Mount of Olives should take us back to that night when Judas sold Jesus to people that Judas knew wanted to kill Jesus. And Peter is telling us Judas had to betray Jesus because it was written that he would. But I, we can't miss what else Peter says. Judas had to betray Jesus, not just because it was written, but also because Judas was wicked. Do you see that in verse 18? 
How is it that the Holy Spirit who's writing these words are, is characterizing the character of Judas, that he had to betray Jesus because it was written. It had to be done, but he did it because he was wicked. And Judas is so important if we are going to understand the good news of Jesus Christ. Peter said, this had to happen. Betrayal had to be right at the heart of the Savior's work. Friends, God has only, only been good to sinners. He has only been good to you. And sin is betrayal. It is high-handed rebellion against someone who is only good and Jesus died for sinners. See the man. See the man who Jesus loved. See Judas, who had experienced for years how perfectly good and kind and merciful Jesus is. See the man whose stomach was satisfied, whose feet had been washed that night. And then Judas walks to murderers and sells the Savior for 30 pieces of silver. Even my close friend, my trusted friend who ate bread with me, he lifted his heel against me, even him. What do you lift your Heal against. In my house, it's cockroaches. To kill what disgusts us, what we despise. Jesus had to be betrayed by a close friend so that you and I can see and reckon with the wickedness of our sin. All God deserves from you is pure and full devotion. Every good thing in your life has only come from one direction, from God. And every one of your and my betrayals earns us hell because of it. So, Jesus had to be betrayed by a close friend if we are going to see and reckon with the wickedness 
of our sin that we need to be saved from. And if we are going to reckon with and understand and appreciate and worship him who loved us. Look at the love of Jesus on the cross dying for traitors. This is the cross. The good God taking the place of those who betrayed him. Is there any good, any, any end to the goodness of the Lord Jesus? Can you create a better God than this? Can you see his goodness anywhere other or more than there? Peter says this, and then he continues in verses 18 through 20, that the traitor, look at this, he had to be betrayed, and the traitor got what he deserved. Friends, do not make the mistake of thinking that just because God rules over absolutely everything, that you are not responsible for your choices. Peter's following more of what David wrote. And he's seen that not only did a close friend have to betray Jesus, but also God had to repay Judas for his betrayal. Verse 18, Judas got the reward of his wickedness. David prayed in Psalm 69, what Jesus would later experience. David prayed, God, in your anger, blot traitors out of your book. And that's the psalm that he quotes. And then he quotes another psalm, Psalm 109. Take away the honor of his office, Judas' office of apostleship, and give it to someone else. And Judas died this awful and completely appropriate death in a field that he purchased by his blood money. If you're here and you have not devoted your whole life to Christ, Jesus chose a traitor and God judges the wicked. God's salvation involves traitors, but woe to him who experiences, who experiences the goodness of Jesus like Judas did and then goes on to betray him. Friend, I just want to counsel you to be wise and look at Judas. Judas regretted what he did. Matthew adds to the the story and tells us more of what happened with Judas' death. It was suicide. And listen, you will regret betraying the Lord Jesus. Psalm 41 that we read earlier said that traitors, what they're thinking when they betray David 
or the son of David, Jesus. What they are thinking is Jesus will not rise from where he lies. The cross that Judas put Jesus on by leading those who arrested Jesus that carried him to the cross, that cross was fatal. It was not final. It wasn't final. God raised Jesus to, the psalm told us, repay his enemies. And Judas is the one. He doesn't get up. He falls. He doesn't get up. So let me say to all of us, Jesus died for traitors. Isn't it something that Peter's preaching? How is it that Peter had the same stomach filled with the meal Jesus served him in the upper room on that night? The the one who had the clean feet like Judas as well. And when Jesus was suffering, when Jesus was being accused, Peter was betraying him. How is it that Peter can not just remain one of the twelve, but he's number one of the twelve, and Judas isn't even numbered anymore. Peter's no hypocrite, and don't make this mistake. There is a world of difference between betraying Jesus like Judas and betraying Jesus like Peter. Peter wept, and he ran to the tomb. And he listened to the Lord Jesus and showed his love. In other words, Judas repented of his betrayal, or Peter repented of his betrayal. Judas remained in his betrayal and died that way. Listen, do not make the mistake of experiencing Jesus and living a life like Judas, which was filled with betrayal. Peter had a moment of betrayal, and he repented of that betrayal. Do not... Go on like Judas and fill your life having experienced his goodness. You will end up like Judas. But there are Peters. Don't you want this Savior? Don't you want his forgiveness? Then hate your sin and leave your traitorous lifestyle for good because This Savior deserves to be followed. And everyone who's forgiven follows Him. Jesus had to replace the witness who had to betray Him. Point number two comes from verses 21 through 26. Jesus needed a a traitor. Point number two We need a twelfth. Anyone? No. We need a twelfth. Verses 21 through 26. Peter continues in on what he's teaching. And he says, can I get a witness? Verse 21. So, Peter says, one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and 
out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men, notice this, must become with us a witness to his resurrection. Again, we can learn today from Peter's attitude on that day. He's thinking, if the Spirit of God is about to fill us, we better follow Him now. In other words, the Spirit, when He finds us, He better find us submitting to what He said already must happen. Not being delinquent with what He already said has to happen. Let another take Judas's office. So, brothers, we must find another to take his office right now. Don't want the Spirit coming. And we know what he said to do, and we're just not doing it. So learn this. Witnesses of the Lord Jesus prepare for the Spirit's power by obeying the Spirit's word. If you want to be a witness who's faithful to the Lord Jesus, here's a key way that you can do it. You prepare for the Spirit's power to send you out to witness. Isn't that what you want to do? What you should do to prepare is to obey the Spirit's word. So Peter says it's essential that we have another eyewitness to Jesus' earthly work. This office that Matthias is about to take... We're told in verse 25 is a ministry of apostleship. So we get a pattern here in these verses for what qualities a disciple has to have in order for them to be an apostle. there's, There's two qualifications I'm seeing in this passage. First one comes from verses 21 and 22. That a man had to have been with the, the eleven throughout Jesus' ministry, from his baptism of John all the way through his ascension, being taken up in verse 9. He had to be there the whole time. And this is why we don't have apostles today. Because no one meets that qualification. Now, Paul, in a few chapters, is going to get into the office slightly differently. But we don't have that kind, he's not, we don't have that kind of apostle either. The, the, the second... Qualification for an apostle comes in verses 24 and 25. Do you see this? The Lord Jesus, and this is what Paul passes this test, the Lord Jesus always picks. Because he's Lord. It's his decision. And what I I want you to see from that first qualification is something I think you can learn for your own ministry of witnessing to the Lord Jesus. Notice from these verses that witness is born Out of experience. It's not just these disciples who are filled with the Spirit to go on and witness. We're going to see this through the book of Acts. When we get to chapter 8, we'll see the Ethiopian eunuch who is saved, and then he's going back to Ethiopia to witness. We see in chapter 9 with Paul. We see it all throughout. Everyone who is saved by Jesus is filled with his Spirit to witness to him. There's something special about these 12, which we'll get to. So, verse 8, the Spirit comes, and when He comes, He comes to everyone to do this. When He fills somebody, He then sends them out to witness. 
And verses 21 and 22 tell us that there's this element of experience that is necessary. What I mean is we cannot witness to who we don't know. And you will not witness to Jesus if you are not constantly and freshly with him, experiencing him. And this could give us help to explain why we might not witness. It's born of experience. Well, next we see the lot of the heart knower. The lot of the heart knower. Verse 23, the disciples put forward two qualified men. And then in verse 26, the lot falls on one of those men, Matthias. But in the middle of those verses, we actually see how Matthias is chosen. We see the explanation for how he gets chosen. Now, lots were like two game pieces. It was like dice. And it was common to put a name on each die and then place them in a cup and then shake the cup. And, and, and you would shake until one came out with a name on it and that one is the chosen one. We have in our passage, though, I want you to see how Matthias was chosen. We have in our passage what we also have in Proverbs 16, that the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. What we see, look, throwing dice seems about as random as could be But verses 24 and 25 remind us who chose Matthias. Not some random dice. The Lord chose Matthias. Verse 6, the Lord is Jesus. That's who is choosing his apostle. Because he always picks. Now, a point about the The Acts, if you've got a title at the top of your page that says the Acts of the Apostles, I I want you just to look right below that man-given title at the Word of God in chapter 1, verse 1, and see how Luke's referring to his gospel, and he says that was, Luke's gospel was about what Jesus began to do and teach, and and, and I understand why people say that this is the Acts of the Apostles or the Actions of of the apostles. We see the apostles, they're they're acting a lot here. They're setting apart these candidates. They're the ones who are shaking the lots. But this book, what what it really more accurately is about is the acts of the ascended Lord Jesus. In other words, why, why would Luke say, in the first book, O Theophilus, I was writing to you about what Jesus began to do and teach. In this book, I'm going to show you what the Lord Jesus, out of sight, but not out of sovereignty in any way, is continuing to do right now 
And so these apostles pray in verse 24. Jesus, we don't know. We can see the first qualification which men have been with you, you the whole time of apostleship. But we don't want to replace a wicked apostle with another wicked apostle. So we're going to pray to you, heart knower of all. Jesus, you tell us which of these men you choose. Beloved, Jesus is on the throne. And when Luke's gospel ends and, 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 and he's describing there these, these days and what the apostles are doing, it says that they are continually worshiping Jesus. They are here worshiping a living God whenever they go through all of this. Jesus is in heaven now and he's doing whatever he pleases. That's our God. But why must there be 12? Now, Peter's kind of dramatic. We know this about Peter, right? So, I, one one more must become with us a witness to Jesus' resurrection. Come on, Pete. I mean, Jesus appeared to 500. There's 120 of us in this room. Uh, Shouldn't we all go out and witness to Jesus? Doesn't he deserve that? Yes, and all of them should and all of them do. But one thing that must happen in the middle is the apostle number has to get back to 12. Why? I think to vindicate Jesus from the betrayal, for one thing. But there's other theological things going on. Just think back when to the first page of the Bible. God calls Adam to fill the world with witness. Be my image and go out into all the world and rule on my behalf. Fill the world with witness that I am the king by being just like me. But what when sin entered into the world, everyone from that point on is born an enemy of God and cannot do that and, and, and is guilty and they're, they're just waiting to, be, to die and then be judged by God. And so in that kind of world, God doesn't raise up witnesses from everyone. He raises up witnesses from one people, the nation of Israel that has 12 tribes. And the 12 are picking up on that original plan to fill the world with the witness of God. Why does it have to be 12 before the Spirit comes to send them out as witnesses of His resurrection? One reason is God is saying, this is my people. This is my 12. This is the people of God. You want to know what it means to be truly and fully human? Look at them. But what does a sin-cursed and dying world need? They need to hear from eyewitnesses who were there the whole time that there is someone who has defeated death. That Jesus is raised. And that this world is not the only world. He's making all things new. We must find another. Because Judas went to his own place. We need to find another to take his place 
as a witness of the resurrection, someone has overturned all that went wrong. Now, weddings are wonderful. I think that winning soccer tournaments are pretty great. Having a baby is great. But when you live in the middle of the greatest moments in history, and and as great as the things that we go through are, that's not what we're talking about. The greatest moments in your life are not the greatest moments in history. We're living in the middle of the greatest moments in history. And sometimes we can think, what is the point? What What are we doing? Do we just coast through this life and try to collect great moments in our life? Why can't we do something more important? When you live in the middle of, of the greatest moments in history, and, and we, we are in the middle of, of the last two, the, the two that happen after our passage, we're in the middle of them. The Spirit has come, and the Lord Jesus is coming back. The Lord, in the middle, sent His Spirit to spread witness. So what are you doing with your life? What are you doing in the middle? I think we can finish this passage and learn from what they're doing that if we want to spend our lives the way that the risen Lord Jesus calls us to. In other words, if we want to be filled for witness, then the focus of our life should be following God's word. That's what Peter said. He's following God's word, tracing his own experience with what God has said, and then he's obeying it. So, we should be embracing what God says about us in His Word. That our sin is wicked. Embrace that. Focus on that. How wicked your sin is. So that you can experience how great is the love of Christ for you. I betrayed Him. But He raised me. Haven't you seen that God is ruling through His Word? Don't you see that here? Thousand-year-old passages have to be obeyed. If He says it, it must happen. And so the Word of God has to have a role in the lives of witnesses. If we are going to go up to people and ask them, don't you know, Jesus is not dead anymore. God raised him, and he's not walking around this earth. He's on the throne in heaven, which means he's your God. What is your life like with the Lord of heaven and earth? You can't be asking people that question. If we 
are not following. Understanding our life in light of what he has said and doing what he said. And then we're witnesses that he is risen. And he's our Lord and he should be everyone's Lord. Jesus had to replace the witness who had to betray him. Lord Jesus, we come to you now and ask for power, power to look to your word. You, you've, you've given us your word. We, we have your word. We can look back and, and understand why the things are happening in our lives and what we've done. And we can understand that our sin should never be excused, but it is, it is a betrayal against you. And we can also see a Savior who forgives traitors. And we pray that you would give us the strength that we don't have on our own. By the power of your cross and your resurrection, Lord Jesus, would you make us repent from our betrayals and then be filled with your Spirit to go out and witness to the one who can forgive others. And who is deserving of obedience? Who is the Lord? Who has only been good to us? And therefore we trust Him. Lord Jesus, we do this and more. By Your Spirit and through Your Word among us. And we ask this in Your name. Amen.